And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Metrospective, the athletics podcast about the New York Mets. I'm Tim Britton, the Mets beat reporter for The Athletic. And the reason I am introducing this podcast for the first time in like 200 episodes is because we have a new co-host Yes, Pete McCarthy, who was with us for the first uh, 199 or so episodes, uh, his contract with The Athletic ran out at the end of 2020. Uh, Pete was an awesome co-host. He was great to deal with. For me, I learned a lot from Pete about podcasting, and I had a blast doing the podcast with Pete. We will miss him very much, but we're also pretty excited about who we have uh, as our new co-host. It's a guy that that I know a little bit, and I think Mets fans know a lot about. Uh, it's Ted Berg. Hey, uh, Hey, Ted, what's going on? Hey Tim, thanks for having me. I I hope to uh, hold a candle to Pete's professionalism and polish as a podcast host. He is he is quite good, and Pete and I go way back. So, are you excited to talk about the Mets on January twentieth, uh, uh, specifically you know, this week and this for our first episode together? Yeah, it. You know, I mean. I was, you know, and and I guess this is how the sausage gets made. But I actually emailed you this morning, like, should we, should, or on the the morning when the when the Jared Porter news came out, wondering like, should we do a podcast? Is this a good way to inter- for me to do the first one? Like, we could have had more fun, probably talk about some lighter subjects in an in on a different day. But I think also if you're like waiting for the week without drama in in Mets world, like you might be. I might just be sort of in limbo for a long time. This is not not a great one to jump in on, but uh, I will say my impression, uh, I mean, obviously what Jared Porter did, what it seems is very clear, he he absolutely, there's no, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of allegedly here. It seems like very clear that he did it and more or less admitted to it. Uh, it was a clearly a fireable offense. Everybody agrees it's a fireable offense. And the story broke at, uh, I don't know what day it is. It's Tuesday. So it was it was Tuesday it was Monday night that the story broke. Tuesday morning he's fired, handled swiftly and decisively by the New York Mets front office, which is not something I'm necessarily used to. Yeah, when this ESPN story broke, you know, it was Monday night at like 11:05 p.m. essentially. Uh it was just, you know, I read through it as as quickly as I could uh and basically wondered like is there any reason this is not a fireable offense? You know, what what saving grace could there possibly be here? Uh, and there really wasn't. You look at it in terms of, you know, Jared Porter's introduction as general manager. He's talking about, we you know, we're looking to set a new culture with this organization. Could there be anything that seems to fit the last culture better than not getting the general manager you just hired to opening day? Uh, you know, it wasn't an, a singular act of misjudgment it wasn't like one bad mistake he made in one moment it was a protracted mistake over weeks uh and the kind of thing that uh it was 
it was really hard to envision any scenario in which he could be a leader of executives, in which he could have the respect of a clubhouse, in which you could feel good joining the New York Mets as an organization with this guy above you on the totem pole. Uh, so it, it, it was pretty clear by about 11.25 when I finished reading and rereading the story that Jared Porter was not going to be the Mets general manager for much longer. Uh, and, and the Mets, you know, they put out the initial statement uh, right after, you know, I guess that was in the story. Uh, Sandy Alderson talking about it on Tuesday said, you know, he got to read the story about, you know, in the hour before it was published to issue his statement, uh, which didn't go into too much detail at the time. It said they would review the facts. Uh, once once they reviewed the facts, he, Alderson said the conversation with Steve Cohen Tuesday morning uh, was was pretty swift. Uh, and, and the decision was pretty, pretty simple for them to make that that Jared Porter could no longer be the general manager. Yeah, I think in in addition to the very obvious fact that you just can't have someone who might, uh, even after the, the talk about changing the culture, who might uh, create that culture for anybody who is coming in and, and dealing with your organization, you know, on top of the fact that it's horribly misogynist and just horrible in, in so many different ways. Uh, the fact that it was a, a reporter who from the ESPN story, it sounded like didn't, speak a ton of English when, when she first got involved with someone in a, in a foreign land on this job, like just every level of it was awful. And then on top of that, it was stupid. It was just, it's, it is like, this is supposed to be a smart guy. And, and the behavior uh, on top of how horrible it is. I mean, you know, it's, that's, that's the, the big part, but then it's also just the, just such like poor, like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? You can't, you can't have a public facing job anymore. You can, you know, like, and, and I think people get worked up about, uh, cancel culture and, and everything else. This is not like a, a gray area situation. This is like a, no, no, no. This is a a 100%. You're done. You, you, someone's going to give you a job where I'm sure you have, you know, bros from business school who will hire you to be, uh, you know, back of the house, uh, analytics guy at some firm somewhere. No one's canceling Jared Porter's entire life for this, but you can't, you can't have a job in a, an industry like major league baseball with the competition that's, that's there, uh, with how many issues the industry and the sports media and sports in general have had, uh, with this sort of male dominated culture, uh, it's just, you, you, it's, it's 2021. This doesn't happen. You know, like this can't happen anymore. And I think, uh, if there's a silver lining to any of it, it's that everybody knows it can't happen anymore. It was not, there was no surprise. There was no one coming out and saying like, no, 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 wait, let's hear Jared Porter's side of the story. Let's maybe he doesn't deserve to lose his job. Like, everybody knows now that this can't happen. Yeah. Like it was heartening that even on Twitter, the consensus was pretty overwhelming uh, that, that this was that he had to be fired. There, there wasn't like a, an even split. You know, last year with Carlos Beltran, uh, I think there was more of a split in the fan base. Well, because I, I and those I, and allegations totally... were totally different uh, and of right. a different nature. Um, he was uh, trying to win. Okay, he's <laughs> trying to win baseball games. Right, this is a totally different thing. Like so much of the job as a general manager is interpreting communication properly from other GMs to, to, to see what's going on, uh, knowing who's spinning you and what. Uh, and like, it is just, it, it's mind boggling to send 60 plus text messages in the span of three weeks without getting an answer and not understanding what that dynamic is. Like I, I, you know, I have sent 
text messages to general managers, to to people, uh, <laughs> to executives in baseball, and sent one and not gotten a response, and thought, gee, would it be rude to send a second one? You know, days yeah, later. Yeah, you don't want to send an, an unrequited text message. That's just yeah, like I, I absolutely. And for, like you know, I don't know what. What if you just like pulled someone off the street and explained this story and said, and then he sent sixty more text messages <laughs> without culminating an answer, in a over, naked photo, culminating yeah, like, in a naked photo, that, I mean, like that's oh, it's, this might change your mind. What, what are you thinking? It's it's not like it was, not to excuse it, like one three a.m. thing. It was over right. the course of weeks. It's it's just uh, I don't know how you make that mistake. Uh, and and obviously uh, you can't keep going in the job when you do. I think the the bigger question to me, and, and to be to be completely honest, I don't know the answer to it. Is how much are the Mets specifically at fault here? You you mentioned it. They move pretty swiftly and efficiently in a way they don't always in such situations. Uh, to to fire Porter on Tuesday morning. Uh, I mentioned in the the initial story I, I wrote on Tuesday morning and. Uh, I'm going to rewrite between the time that we're recording this and you're listening to it, that it looks bad for the Mets for their vetting process in the sense that uh, this is the second consecutive offseason. Uh, and I, I understand it's different people doing the hiring uh, that you couldn't get a big name hire to opening day. Last year, I think there were more obvious flaws with the vetting process. You know, there were pretty loud whispers about how Houston operated and about Carlos Beltran's role in how Houston operated before he interviewed with the Mets. Uh, and then obviously the Mets dropped the ball after the initial story came out about Beltran in the athletic in never asking him about it o- over the next two months. I think there were pretty clear flaws there. I'm not sure how clear the flaws are here. Uh, you know, the Mets, every, everyone I talked to about Jared Porter had glowing reviews. Everyone the Mets talked to about Jared Reporter gave them glowing reviews. Uh, Sandy Alderson did say uh, when question, you know, he's asked by Hannah Kaiser of Yahoo, were any of those people a woman? Uh, and Alderson kind of sheepishly admitted no. Um, he said, you know, there weren't really uh, women in positions of power in the industry to talk to. I would point out that one of the highest ranking women in baseball is Raquel Ferreira, who worked with Porter in Boston. I don't know if if they had reached out to Raquel, if anything is different, if this plays out any differently, what her experiences with Jared are. I think, you know, there are so few women in positions of power to be a reference point for a general manager hire. That is a problem. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm not sure well, how yeah, much... Well, yeah, and I think, blame- you know, on, on top of that, I mean, this was, you know, a woman who was not in a position of power, right? And and the I think the the power dynamic is is part of, of what makes it so horrible, you know? So... So it might it might be a different I don't know I don't I, I can't pretend to get into Jared Porter's head right because it doesn't make any sense to me but it, it I don't know that yeah like you said you don't necessarily know that 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 would have changed anything I do think it looks it looks bad on the Mets that they I don't know it, it's it, you you understand that this guy clearly lied to them about it once they even at least that's what that's what it sounded like Alderson suggested that. Porter downplayed it even once they confronted him with, okay, this story is coming out. So you have to assume if you ask someone in a job interview, like, hey, by the way, like, do you have any horrible skeletons in your closet that are about to come out? They're going to say no. You know, so I, I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say, oh, they, they did their due diligence and they just, they just swung and missed here. Um, given how egregious this seems, like, it, it feels to me like, there's no chance this was one person that this happened with, you know, but, 
Again, like, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, you know, we don't know yet kind of the extent of the Cubs knowledge. It happened while he was with Chicago and and the journalist had told at least one employee with the Cubs. Uh, it's unclear how much it moved up that ladder. And if it didn't move up that, the ladder, it's it, that's a problem in Chicago uh, with their hierarchy. I do think it's it is probably more... Uh, an industry issue than a Mets specific issue and 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 Alderson said it you know it's a social issue as much as an industry one um but it, I wonder how and and what the Mets can do differently the next time they're hiring a GM and, and we'll get into kind of their next steps here um to have a different outcome here uh so that you know when they hire someone as their general manager uh that person stays in that position for more uh than 37 days you would hope that that would be in in the cards in the future uh but i guess you know again if you're looking for a positive side of this very negative story it's that he's gone right this guy's been purged from the engineer from the industry Brandon Taubman has been purged from the industry. There are more people like this out there. And and I think, you know, ideally that they will continue to be filtered out. Rather than getting promoted, they get exposed and they can give jobs to people who don't do this. Yeah, you would hope that there are plenty of candidates uh, <laughs> out there right. uh, who do not have such a, a stain on their record. It, it, it will be interesting for the Mets now. Alderson said on Tuesday that in the short term, uh, they are not looking to hire a new general manager. Uh, that it sounds... Well, it's gonna, we're going to take a real long time looking <laughs> through the next guy's text messages before we, we sign on. It's, he, you know, he said there would be some clarity in the coming days. You know, it sounded like by the end of this week... Uh, on exactly how they'll structure that front office. Uh, but it sounds as if, once again, for really the second time this offseason, he's going to be taking on more responsibility himself, the first time being in November when they decided not to hire a president of baseball operations. Uh, and that Zach Scott, you know, who would be the internal candidate to make some sense uh, since he was brought in as Porter's assistant. He'd been the runner-up in the initial search. Uh, he'd be getting a little bit more responsibility, but remaining as the assistant GM I think if, if you're wondering, like, why not just name Scott the GM, I think part of it might be, like like you're saying, they want to do a little bit more due diligence on him. You know, with Rojas last year, when you're naming him the manager uh, after Beltron, that was someone who had been in your organization for 14 mm-hmm. years. You had a pretty good sense of who he was. Zach Scott's been here. I think he was hired December 23rd or something like that. Uh, so he's been here for 28 days, four weeks. Uh, you probably, if you're go, you know, if you're firing a GM for this reason and you're Going to promote someone new to that position, you probably want to do a bit more background work on them uh, than, than just a couple weeks. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And I think that, and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong here, because I, I assume you know more about the, the way the front office is currently structured, but it seems to me like in, in Major League Baseball, in, you know, since the in certainly over the last five years with every team, the front office operations are are more and more committee based, and and I think with the Mets, you know the the buck sort of start stops with with Alderson and and Steve Cohen, but uh, I would have to guess the machine can keep churning forward with with this one piece now now removed, right? Yeah, like I th- you know Alderson was asked Tuesday. Uh, does he consider himself the head of baseball operations now? And he, he chuckled and said, I, I, I've kind of thought that way since I was hired in, in November. Uh, you know, like the Francisco Lindor trade, that is going through Sandy Alderson, even with Jared mm-hmm. Porter on board. Sandy Alderson is the one <laughs> like, oh, wait, running that what? operation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's the other moves that we've seen, some of the smaller moves, uh, and Alderson said specifically the like the Joey Lucchesi addition that the Mets made. Uh, this official. was Jared Porter's like his his one move. Like you made one move, you got <laughs> Joey Lucchesi, and then you're out. To slightly less fanfare than it would have than it would have had otherwise when they announced it Tuesday. Uh, yeah, you know that like those are the types of moves that Porter uh, was was responsible for. You know. Alderson said he doesn't want to do kind of the daily minutiae of being a general manager. You don't want to worry about who you're moving from double A AA to triple A and, and those types of things uh, and, and what minor league free agents you're bringing in. You want to have kind of that oversight of the entire operation uh, and, and less on the granular level. So maybe that gets delegated in a different way. You know, since we've, we've had so many teams that, that have had presidents of baseball operations and the GM is really just a glorified assistant uh, and, and Porter was maybe a little bit more than that, uh, but it still wasn't, you know, this isn't like Sandy Alderson in, in 2018 leaving and you need to completely, you need to fill that role right away uh, and you needed three people to do it apparently. Uh, this is more, uh, you kind of just have everyone add a little bit to their responsibilities. Yeah, and it's not like, uh, you know, the the hypothetical Billy Bean leaving at the end of the Moneyball movie where it's like, oh, you're going to the whole front office will collapse with with one guy gone. Right. That's just not how baseball works anymore. Right. And and you still have basically the number one guy in charge there in Alderson. And you probably he probably runs this operation uh, the way he did probably back in in 2017 and 2018 uh, through the end of the season. And then you you'd go on a more. protracted search uh at that point in the off season when there's kind of more candidates available and the the search pool is a little bit easier and the timing isn't quite as urgent as it might feel right now it feels like yeah i mean it's it's a weird thing to say but it feels like the the you know the ivy league educated business school modern front office person like they almost feel a time but doesn't like they're okay jared porter is not you're gonna be your guy What's, what's the difference? You know, I don't know. It, it, you, it's Everybody knows what you're trying to do now, right? Like, everybody knows you're trying to find that next advantage. Everybody knows you're trying to find the, the market inefficiency. There's no 
there's secrets about how it happens and there's secrets about what those those inefficiencies are and and how to improve player development and and optimize player performance and all these other things everybody knows you're trying to do that right whereas like i think 25 years ago it was just like or or even less than that right like Omar Manaya was, hey, our bullpen was bad. The, that means we need to go trade for JJ Plitz and sign K Rod. Like it was, it was very, um, I think, uh, and and I, and that's not just Manaya. I think that was uh, that was across baseball. There was it was a much simpler line of thinking in terms of roster construction. The cat's out of the back with with the the money ball and analytics and all these things, and it's never going back in. And so I think like. Okay, like maybe there were th- things about Jared Porter that they thought gave him an advantage over Zach Scott or any of the other people they they might have uh, interviewed for that job. But you know, I don't think that it is like uh, at this point that there's any one person anywhere who's going to be like so significantly better than all of the rest of the people trying to do the same thing that it's really going to make a bigger difference than like luck of the draw. Yeah, right like then, the, like the, our our prospects panned out. I don't. I don't think the the philosophical direction of the organization is not going to change based off who they bring in eventually to replace Jared Porter. You know, when I like covering the Red Sox when they moved when they let go of Ben Sherrington and they brought in Dave Dombrowski, that was a a large philosophical shift. Mm-hmm. The same yeah. way it was when they let Dombrowski go and they brought in Heim Bloom. Uh, you know, like those are. Those are pretty seismic changes for how an organization is going to operate. The seismic change here happened with Steve Cohen buying the team uh, and bringing in Sandy Alderson. That's the, that's the top of the organization. Those are the, the people really uh, leading uh, what they want the Mets to be uh, and Porter and whoever they bring in to replace him. Those were people who were kind of given the, the task of executing that vision. They're not the ones coming up with the vision themselves. Uh, so that makes them this is a mean word to use about human beings, but a little bit more disposable in this instance. Right. Uh, that's, that's what I was going to I was going to say irreplaceable, but yeah. Um, replaceable sounds slightly nicer than disposable, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jared Porter certainly hasn't earned slightly nicer, right? <laughs> not, not, not today. Not today, at least. I don't know. I never met the guy, but yeah. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, what else? What else we got going on? Uh, th- we're all new to this, uh, so people should know we've been we're we're trying out ideas, right? We're we're we wanted to come up with some sort of segment ideas to break up the show a little bit. We're gonna aim for twenty five to thirty minutes. Usually, I have a way of going long. I'll try not to do that. Uh, but uh, one thing I thought we we might do would be take questions from Twitter. Yeah, it's Twitter talk, you know. Hashtag Twitter talk. Do we want to? Make we can, and we can. I guess we could take questions from email too. I don't. I if people want to email me, I'm at asktedberg at gmail dot com, and that's where you can email me a question, and I'll I'll probably respond, uh, or we can talk about it on the show. And and you had a, a particularly like uh, topical one. I did. There were a lot of questions, Ted. so I should say I hope that you're okay with a- answering questions about sandwiches because. Every time I solicit questions, half of them are about sandwiches. Um, but in this case, it's not. 
and it's from Ben Collins at Ben Collins 01 asks, is the era of hashtag, hashtag LOL Mets over? And if so, will we miss it in any way? You know, it, the answer to this feels different on Wednesday than it did on Monday afternoon, for instance. You know, it felt like the Mets were putting that behind them and then you have this kind of Mets gonna Mets thing happen to them. I do think, like we talked about earlier, uh, the way they handled it is different than they might have in the past. Like we were talking before before starting to record this episode, uh, this is like the most obvious Mets need to fire this guy situation that we can recall since Tony Bernazard. Uh, and that was what, 2009? Oh, it was 2009. That, that process in firing Tony Bernazar did not go very smoothly for the Mets. Can I, can I, can I relate a, just a personal anecdote? Um, I was, so the Tony Bernazar thing happened while I was on my honeymoon in Costa Rica. <laughs> and I had successfully, you know, I was, I was, it was 2009. I was, I was working at SNY. I was writing about the Mets every day. I was like so in it and so online. And, and, at my wife's behest and encouragement, I, I like shut everything down. We went to Costa Rica. We stayed way, way far off the grid in this like eco lodge, beautiful place, incredible sights and howler monkeys on a roof all night. Like I was just, I was just, I successfully cut myself off from from the Mets and the world and the news. And we were on a JetBlue flight coming back. And when we came back into American airspace, the the Directv cut on. Um, and the first thing someone had left it on ESPN on my seat, the first thing I saw as I came back from my honeymoon before I even landed was just Omar Minaya yelling at or, or accusing Adam Rubin of, of lobbying for, for a position in the Mets front office. And it was just like, oh, geez, what am I coming back to? Like, why do I have to go back to work right now? Um, and, and, and that was, that was my experience. So I, I missed like the original Tony Bernazard news. I, I only caught the second wave of it. But we had that year, we had happened to do a minor league tour of Binghamton and Buffalo. And we came through Binghamton with like an SNY video crew three days after the incident in question. And so it was super tense in there still. And they were like, <laughs> oh, people from the New York are coming here. What's, what, what are you guys quite curious about here? Uh, is everything uh, okay? Um, and it was because this this Tony Bernard had just torn his shirt off and threatened to fight the whole team. And little do we know, we're coming through like, hey, can we talk to John Neese? <laughs> I don't think it was John Neese. He was already up by then, but... I you know I remember I was uh, I was the MLB.com intern uh, and I that was the first weekend or first week of the year that I covered the opposing team you know every once in a while the writer doesn't make yeah. the trip they, they have the intern cover and it was the Colorado Rockies uh, so I was in a, club, a visiting clubhouse for the first time really and and you know you used to be used to covering the Mets at home with like forty other reporters it was mm-hmm. me and like two other people uh, in the Colorado clubhouse and this is airing on the TV in their clubhouse. Uh, and Todd Helton comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder, and points at TV and goes, "What the fuck is going on? <laughs> is he saying what I think he's saying?" Uh, and I explained uh, my interpretation of what was going on, uh, and <laughs> we we laughed about it. And I thought, now now that I I'm considering voting for the Hall of Fame down the line, I, I feel like that might get that might be the thing that pushes Todd Helton over the top in my mind is our brief bonding over the awkwardness of the Mets firing Tony Bernazard. Uh, uh, yeah, I Todd Helton, I have a, it's a, it's not really, a, it's not a, uh, the best story for, it doesn't 
look great for Todd Helton, but I have a like a funny Todd Helton reporting story that makes me like him more too. Um, and so, you know, nothing, nothing he did was, was horrible or anything like that. Uh, it's just not the type of story that I think was supposed to leave a locker room, but, uh, he, I, I, I would agree. I think Todd Helton is just sort of that borderline guy where you're just like, you know what? Todd Helton seemed pretty cool. Let him in. <laughs> so the era of LOL Mets, I do think, uh, I think we're approaching its end. Um, but there are still reminders that I think uh, that it is perpetual. Like, I think that it will go on forever. I think like Steve Cohen. Great. Great. They've got an owner who's going to spend some money. Who's going to make some tweets. Do you think that Steve Cohen isn't going to like an unfortunate tweet this year? Do you think that he's not going to put his foot in his mouth on Twitter? Do you think that the next time they make a deal as big as training for Francisco Lindor, a generational player for the Mets, it's not going to coincide with a violent insurrection in the Capitol. Again, it's the Mets. I think it's inescapable. Like, I just think it's it's forever. This is just, you You have, you have to lean in. And if it's over, you you have to miss it. Like, if what you, no one wants to be a Yankees fan, right? <laughs> no one wants to be that... You don't like right. You don't root for the the empire. So I I feel like the the Mets have to be like. And this is this is not a good example of like a funny, uh, innocent, stupid LOL Mets thing. But uh, whereas like the the Tony Bernard thing is probably closer to that. Um, but it, I just think I don't think the Mets can ever shake it. I don't think it, I think it's it's like a combination of confirmation bias and also just like cosmic fate that the Mets will be the Mets will provide fodder for for being laughed at yeah it's it's the old Roger Angel line you know there's more Met than Yankee in all of us right exactly exactly I didn't know that that was a Roger Angel line but that's an amazing line and now I feel like that that guy just like in one in like six words synthesized what I spent like easily a million words trying to say yeah it, it's i it retire will... <laughs> that, that is how roger angel makes you feel as a writer yeah <laughs> uh so it'll it'll be interesting to see how the mets move on from here uh you know we we will still have hopefully more fun stuff to talk about as as the off season unfolds yeah. that we're within a month of spring training starting the Mets have Francisco Lindor on their roster uh, which would have been more of our topic of conversation had we recorded this Monday afternoon rather than late Tuesday afternoon um, but uh, this is you know the story for the Mets right now is kind of how they reshuffle their front office hierarchy and how they kind of uh, what their introspection is over uh, the next few days uh, and and really over the next course of the next couple months before they launch uh, another hunt for a general manager uh, in, in next offseason, it seems like, uh, and try to figure out where to go from here. Yeah, that all sounds right, I think. And where do we go from here, Tim? I think, I think this is the goodbye part. Yeah, it seems like our time is up, and I had fun. This was a fun first podcast. I, I didn't, it wasn't a fun subject, but it was nice to do. I've been sort of out of this mix for a while. It's nice to just yell nonsensical things into a into a microphone about the Mets again. 
that is that was the uh, original title of the Metrospective was nonsensical Yelling things nonsensical about the things. Mets in yeah. the microphone. <laughs> but we'll and and we'll be back. Like you know, the the length of this podcast. Obviously, we were at a shorter length for much of last season. Uh, in like the fifteen minute range, we will be back in the twenty five to thirty minute range. I don't have uh, fifteen is, minutes in me. It's like not possible. You could tell me like, yo, you have to keep this to fifteen minutes, and I would give you a half hour. So. Uh, we'll we'll have that going forward. Uh, we'll be because you want to get your workout in. You want to get like you want to do something in a in the course of a podcast. I no offense to your fifteen minute podcast. It was great. I listened to a bunch of them. The, I just for me, I want something a little longer before I have to play with my phone again. Your your workout lasts longer than fifteen minutes. Oh yeah. Oh You're yeah. In, I am seven right minute now, abs, I'm, man. Yeah. Uh, well, my workout is also sort of like my my quiet alone time away from my family right now so it, it lasts a lot longer than 15 minutes as long as, long as possible in the current yeah. moment adios ted peace out as you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.